Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Sung Hee Cho? Sung Hee Cho was born in Korea on January 18, 1984. His father owned a bookstore. His mother stayed at home. He had one older sister. At nine months old, Cho developed whooping cough, followed by pneumonia. He was hospitalized for a time. A problem with his heart was identified. It was later repaired when he was three years old. After this, Cho did not like to be touched. He was constantly sick frequently cried, and was frail. Cho was extremely quiet, but was described as having a sweet nature. He did not have many friends. His family moved to the United States in 1992. They lived in Maryland for six months before moving to Virginia. His father and mother ran a dry cleaning business and became active in a local Christian church. At first, Cho became even more withdrawn, but eventually adapted somewhat to his new environment. He played video games, watched TV, and enrolled in a martial arts program. He was described as gentle, quiet, and as not having anger problems. His parents had concerns about his poor communication skills. For example, he avoided eye contact and spoke very little to anyone. When he did talk to others, he would not discuss his feelings or describe what he was thinking. When visitors came to the family residence, Cho would have a strong reaction. He would become pale, start crying, freeze in place, and his palms would sweat. He would primarily communicate by shaking his head yes or no. Various family members pressured him to talk more, which they framed as having more courage. He resented their efforts. His father was not as concerned about Cho talking, but he did demand respect, and they occasionally argued about this topic. Cho was enrolled in an English as a second language program. He would not respond to teachers in class. He did not interact with other students and would not participate in group activities, although he would occasionally play with one other student during recess. Teachers believed that his communication problems were not related to a language barrier. Rather, they were attributable to emotional problems. 
His parents attempted to help Cho in a few different ways, including involving him in church activities like a summer basketball camp. But overall, his parents really didn't do a lot for him. Eventually, they adopted an attitude of leaving him alone. Based on a recommendation from school officials, Cho was sent to receive mental health counseling in July of 1997. His parents viewed mental health problems as a source of shame. In their culture, there is a pronounced stigma around mental health disorders. Cho was seen by a clinician who treated him with art therapy, which involved modeling with clay, painting, and drawing. He would not communicate verbally, so there weren't many good options to connect with him. This method actually made a lot of sense. Cho made some progress. For example, he started making limited eye contact. Cho was diagnosed with severe social anxiety disorder. He continued treatment over the course of several years. Then in March of 1999, he became depressed and even more withdrawn. The murders in Columbine occurred the next month, April. This had a profound impact on Cho. He wrote a paper in English class where he talked about his desire to repeat Columbine. The school urged Cho's family to have him evaluated by a mental health clinician. Cho's therapist referred him to another therapist for an evaluation. He was diagnosed with selective mutism and major depressive disorder single episode. Cho started high school in the fall of 1999. Teachers noted that he was shy, barely audible, and did not respond using complete sentences. Outside of not talking, Cho did remarkably well in school. He earned high grades, was always on time for class, submitted assignments on time, and did not have any behavioral problems. Accommodations were made for Cho's condition. For example, he was not required to speak in front of the class. During his junior year of high school, Cho was permitted to discontinue therapy. He insisted that there was nothing wrong with him and complained to his parents that he should not have to be treated. They figured that he was close to 18 and he could make his own decisions at that point anyway, so they allowed him to stop the therapy. After graduating from high school, Cho enrolled at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia, starting classes in August of 2003. He lived on campus, and his parents visited him frequently. Cho selected the major computer technology, but after his grades declined, he switched his major to English. His grades declined even more after this change. During the fall of his junior year, Cho began attracting a lot of negative attention. His classmates viewed him as essentially non-responsive to any attempt at communication. His roommates attempted to include him in social activities. At parties, he would sit in the corner by himself. On one occasion, he and his roommates went to the room of a female student. Cho pulled out a small knife and started stabbing the carpet. This was the last time his roommates included him on their social calendar. Cho's teachers were not happy with him either. He was wearing sunglasses and a hat in class. I imagine at this point he reminded people of Kevin Spacey or Charlie Sheen, but not quite as creepy. Cho's writings now had a violent and dark theme, and he was threatening his classmates. One professor noticed that fewer students were attending class. When she inquired as to why, a student told her that everyone was afraid of Cho. The professor eventually told the administration that Cho needed to be removed from her class or she was going to resign. 
Cho was removed from the class. On November 27, 2005, a complaint against Cho was filed by a female student. He had gone to the student's room wearing sunglasses and a hat and said, I'm question mark. Cho sometimes referred to himself as question mark. The police told him to leave the student alone. On December 12, 2005, another female student complained to the police. She was concerned because Cho was sending her messages online. The police told Cho to discontinue all contact. That same day, at about 7 p.m., Cho made a statement to his roommate suggesting that he may harm himself. The police were called again. Cho was committed to a mental health facility involuntarily. Clinicians there determined that he was not a danger to others, and he was discharged on December 14. He returned to classes as if nothing happened. On April 17, 2006, a professor told Cho that his work was not satisfactory and recommended that he drop the class. Cho followed the professor back to his office uninvited and started arguing in a loud voice. In February of 2007, Cho purchased a Walther P-22 semi-automatic pistol. This is chambered in 22 long rifle. In March, he purchased a Glock 19 semi-automatic pistol. This is chambered in 9mm Parabellum. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. On April 16, 2007, at about 7.15 a.m., Cho murdered two students inside a Virginia Tech dormitory near the one where he lived. At 9.01 a.m., he mailed a package to NBC News. The package contained video recordings, photographs, and documents. Not long after 9.30 a.m., he entered a classroom building on campus called Norris Hall. He chained the three main entrance doors, made his way to the second floor, and started shooting students and faculty. He killed another 30 people and injured 17, before bringing an end to his own life as the police were closing in. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now moving to my analysis. Here are my thoughts on a few items that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. Cho experienced a number of challenges in his life. It was clear that he had a lack of social skills, difficulties communicating, and feelings of depression. He may have been bullied in school at various times, but he never indicated to anyone that this was the case. His family members attempted to help him several times. He was in special education, which didn't do anything for him. He was sent to counseling, which helped him a little, but then he was allowed to stop. Various professors at Virginia Tech tried to help him without success. He was sent to a mental health facility, 
which released him after concluding he was not a danger to anyone, and his mother sought help from the church that she attended. They told her that Cho had demonic power and needed deliverance, which seems strange considering demons are typically fairly talkative. I guess he was possessed by shy demons. At every step of Cho's life, resources either failed him or had a limited effect. Item number two, Cho was described as creepy, frightening, and bizarre. Many people felt uneasy around him. He would often not respond at all when people spoke to him, which gave him really no chance of making friends. When Cho attempted to pursue women romantically, he was immediately thought of as threatening and dangerous, even on occasions when he didn't technically threaten anyone. In class, Cho used his cell phone to take photographs of the legs of female classmates under their desks. To explain his failure to attract a romantic partner, Cho would make it seem like he rejected the women. For example, on one occasion he told an acquaintance that he looked into the eyes of a female college student but only found promiscuity. After hearing initial media reports about an unidentified killer that was on the campus, several people assumed Cho was responsible. They knew it had to be him. Item number three. In his manifesto, Cho used a number of expletives and religious references to blame other people for the murders and for his death. The document is extremely repetitive. Essentially, Cho believed that other people treated him terribly. He referred to them as descendants of Satan and apostles of sin. He believed they were sadistic and hedonistic. Cho wanted his actions to inspire generations of weak and defenseless people, which is how he viewed himself. He tried to make it seem as though he was the real victim in the situation that he caused. He expressed absolutely no remorse for his homicidal behavior. Item number four is Cho's mental health. Cho was diagnosed with selective mutism, severe social anxiety disorder, and major depressive disorder. He seemed to be very intimidated when put in situations where talking would be expected, but at the same time, he drew attention to himself by engaging in bizarre behavior. This might have been a cycle in which he became trapped. For example, when he wore sunglasses and a hat in class, he probably did that to hide or escape, but it increased his visibility. Similarly, when he failed to respond to verbal prompts, this made people think of him more negatively. Another possibility here is that he was actually trying to get attention. He did not know how to obtain it in a socially acceptable manner, so he resorted to acting strangely, which was a method he was familiar with. None of the diagnoses Cho received explain his homicidal behavior. There have been many other theories about possible mental disorders that he had, for example, schizophrenia or delusional disorder. The difficulty here is that there's no evidence Cho ever had psychosis. He did not appear to have hallucinations or delusions. He never lost touch with reality. One area that gets overlooked with Cho is personality pathology. I think it's reasonable to believe that Cho had a number of narcissistic and psychopathic characteristics. This brings me to the last item, number five, which is my case conceptualization. This is just a theory, my opinion. Cho suffered from social anxiety, which caused maladaptive behavior. His expression of symptoms led to an adverse response from people around him, which in turn made the symptoms worse. He had no way to hide or reduce his pain and suffering. At some point, 
he gave up trying to make friends. In addition, Cho was highly narcissistic. He was envious, arrogant, condescending, and had fantasies of incredible power. He also had psychopathic tendencies, like a lack of remorse or empathy, and he was sadistic. Social anxiety and narcissism can exist at the same time. The narcissism simply has to find another way to express in light of the anxiety. The need to be memorable and to fulfill one's destiny of greatness cannot be denied. It will always lead to an expression of some type. In the presence of anxiety, the narcissism becomes vulnerable as opposed to grandiose. For example, Cho was insecure, resentful, pessimistic, and distrusting. Cho changed his major to English because he thought that he could get a book published. Not long after changing his major, he sent a book summary to a New York publishing house and was rejected. It's surprising they responded to him at all. Typically, he would have been simply ignored by any publisher, regardless of their location. This rejection was devastating to Cho because it cut off yet another avenue for him to satisfy the demands of his narcissism. He was quickly losing avenues to fulfill his fantasies. His actual level of skill was not sufficient to achieve his narcissistic dreams. Cho's awkwardness was so pronounced that he was never able to establish anything close to a romantic relationship. In order to bury his own failure in this area, he started to assign negative characteristics to the women he encountered. He viewed them as immoral, promiscuous, and hedonistic, whereas he thought of himself as a champion of the underdog. He was a true victim who was only trying to bring morality and goodness to the world. His status as a victim allowed him to justify violence. But in order to justify extreme violence, he had to be an extreme victim. He distorted his suffering to make it seem as though everyone treated him more terribly than could be imagined. In his manifesto, he even compared himself to Jesus Christ. He was a great savior who endured overwhelming hardship. In the end, Cho murdered people because of his own out-of-control narcissism. Now moving to my final thoughts. One of the worst aspects of narcissism is how it always finds a way to express. The form may change, but the underlying destructive nature remains. I view it like water being forced out of a tank through a series of pipes. If the system is set so that the same amount of water is going to escape no matter how many pipes are open, each time one pipe is closed, pressure in the remaining pipes increases. When only one pipe is left open, the water is coming out with incredible force almost like a pure water jet cutting machine. This is how narcissism works. If a highly narcissistic person has many avenues in their life to express their narcissism, to satisfy their goals, it may very well be that no one avenue will become destructive. But if their options are reduced, the expression may become lethal. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. 
To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.